You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, reviews, technology, associated products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's show. Uh, no show last week because, um, well, I admit it, uh, for reasons we delayed our uh, recording time by an hour and in the intervening hour, although I was ready to go at the normal 4.30, uh, somehow between 4.30 and 5.30 I nodded off. That might have something to do with the fact that I'm spending a lot of time hauling junk out of my garden and my sheds and throwing it into the biggest skip in the world. Uh, so anyway, apologies for that. I fell asleep and the boys came online on time and were going, where's Simon? And uh, they tried messaging me, but I think I might have put my phone on do not disturb. So there you go. So anyway, that's that. This week, uh, Nick is here. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Yeah, yeah, it happens to us all, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I quite, it's quite easily done. Well, I'm not. I'm not used to you know sort of fairly heavy physical labour. You know, I spend most of my working life sitting at a desk, tapping away on a keyboard, hauling great bucketfuls of you know junk and throwing them in a skip. It's rather physical. The uh, yeah. the upside, I suppose, is I've now gone mahogany brown. <laughs> Because we've had quite a lot of sun Jolly here. Good. There we are. There we are. Uh, Jim's not joining us this week. He's gone for a walk because he needs to clear his head and he's feeling a little bit low. So, uh, you know, if you're in the slack room, don't feel afraid to try and, you know, tell him that we're all here for him. Anyway, that being said, um, me and Nick are here, obviously, and uh, we thought we'd take a look at the last couple of weeks' stories. But first of all, obviously, WWDC is coming. Um, so yay. I thought, yay! Yeah, you know, it's like Christmas Day for us Mac nerds, isn't it? Really. So um, <laughs> I thought we, you know, uh, the web is full of rumours and predictions and all sorts. And I, I thought rather than get too deep into the weeds on that, we've avoided uh, lots of rumours. I've got a couple of things which are sort of semi-rumours in the stories, but I thought Nick and I might just um cogitate on what you know either we'd like to see or think we might see so um i've got a story about this one so it's not purely from my uh you know my own mind i'm expecting to see more improvements to multitasking on the ipad i really um the rumors abound that uh multitasking may actually go to a sort of full floating window concept um might be nice yeah, i'm not really interesting an, i'm not really an ipad user am i so you know but i think a no lot i of mean people... i have 
I have used multitasking a few times, um, and it is a little bit clunky, uh, but, but it's not bad, even the way it is at the moment. I mean, some people might think it's terrible, but um, it is possible to have, you know, text on one side and do something on the other side and copy and paste stuff across, and, you know, it, it is possible. And you do, just, have, you do have... I think the I've sl- always said... You well, have the slide-over thing as well, don't you? I mean, I've not, I've not got an iPad, so it doesn't yes. mean anything to me, but... Yeah, it's... Um, you see, I, I think I've said before, I, I've never wanted my iPad to be a, a mini iMac. I, I don't want it to have exactly the same interface as the as the iMac. I think that would be no, that would be a disaster. That would be a bit, yeah. That that just wouldn't work. But I, d- I don't mind if they make multitasking easier. But don't ask me how you do that because I've no idea. <laughs> no, how you make it easier. But um, but. But Apple always seemed to be able to come up with something fairly clever, fairly innovative. And I, I hope if we do get something that it that it, it really works well for those who need to multitask. Mm. Um, I was uh, so I've been down to a second service. This is the, so we're a little bit late re- recording because I was a little bit late back. But one of the things I did find out, I thought and it's something I've never tried before, is the two TVs we have down at church are LGs and they've got AirPlay. Um, so when I got down there, they'd actually got a Mac plugged into one of the TVs, so it, it didn't really matter. But what I did try at the end of the service was um, Keynote and um, uh, YouTube and having them alongside one another, as it were, uh, and then switching between them um, on the on the iPad. And and actually, it worked reasonably well. Okay, you get you get up because you're actually screen sharing. Yes. Uh, for yes. Keynote, uh, you do get full screen Keynote as if mm. you were projecting it. Um, so that that works really well. Uh, and switching over to iTunes, there's a very you know there's a fraction of a second where they see your your iPad and then you're into i you're into iTunes and playing an iTunes video. Mm. Um, I thought it worked pretty well, really, the way it is. But if they can improve that even more, if I can have them both running side by side and it seamlessly switches from one to the other, then that would be cool. That would be cool. So I suppose yes, that would be my wish. Can we? Can we? Can we have like app switching within uh, within the iPad? That would be uh, that would be without having to close apps down. That would be cool. Hmm. Um, I mean, you're gone. I mean, I know you can to a certain extent. I mean, you can app switch to a certain extent. You can pull up the bar at the bottom of the screen and you can tap on another app. But usually you get, you know, some flashing. And particularly when you're screen sharing, you, you see the screen just for a second. Yes, or so. yes. Uh, but it would be really nice to be able to switch from one app to another seamlessly in that way. Yes, to jump from one app to another. Um, a lot of people say they're looking to see focus modes. Um rejigged somehow i don't use focus mode so i don't really have anything to say on that i use no nor do i i don't you know on my phone i don't feel the need to have like defined sets of apps and things i just use the kind of do not disturb um but then i don't have hundreds of apps so you know now it it occurs to me that a lot of these people who are saying you know what we'd really like this and we'd really like this actually just want it to they really really deep down want it to be a mac <laughs> they, they sort of want to be able to do the same kind of things they can do on their mac but on the ipad yeah and, or, the, or um, the phone and i'm yeah i'm not yeah really i'm not sure that's what i want that. I do yeah, quite like I do quite like the idea of focus modes, and I can see exactly what the um, concept behind that is. It's 
in my view, it's a little bit like spaces on the map, right? Yeah. You can set up these focus modes, which are, in effect, different spaces. So you go into focus mode and do work, you know, and it has all your work apps laid out. And if you go but into you see, you gaming, see, not, you have all I've your games really had a, Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, but... I'd... I've never really had an issue with focusing on something. I think if I think if you struggle with focusing on a single task, then I can understand it um, to a certain extent. Um, but you know, when I'm doing the church magazine, I turn everything else off. Uh, I don't turn my phone off, but uh, but if it pings, I ignore it while mm. I'm working on the church magazine. And it appears that some people can't switch off from social media, uh, and that's part of the problem. Is that you know, even when they're trying to work, they can't they can't focus because they're being distracted by what's going on in social media and whatever. Um, that's not something that I've ever really had an issue with. No, but I, you know, so, I, I, I get the concept. Um, I don't have an iPad and I don't use it to do, you know, film editing or sound editing or whatever. I, I guess if you've got no. a lot of different apps for a lot of different purposes, it would be like space is quite nice to say, okay, I'll switch to photo mode. And then on your home screen, you've got all the, you know, all the sort of photo related apps that you use and nothing else. So I get that as a concept. Um, so, but p- people are asking for, I don't know what it is they want really, whether it's more granularity or more control or whatever. I, I yeah. don't know. On the whole, I don't, I don't desperately find anything about iOS unpleasant. There's nothing about it that, no, no. that you know, I think, oh, I, I really I, want I, this. I sometimes think, yeah, I sometimes think the design could be a little better um there often seems an awful lot of wasted space particularly on the 12.9 inch iPad. yes yes um even though you can make the icons a bit bigger and uh you know they've they have made some concessions i just feel it i wonder sometimes whether the whole interface i don't mean the way the interface works i think the way the interface works is fine i just sometimes whether the whether the overall appearance needs a bit of a a bit of a shake-up bit of a refresh well let's face it yes i i, I wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind if they decided to to do something a bit different <laughs> just for the sake of doing something different yeah it really upsets everybody else but i'm not yeah i'm not normally <laughs> a fan of changing things for the sake of it but i do think that you know the ios interface has not really changed much since version one you know no. since the first iphone no, apart from um Apart from folders, that was probably one of the biggest yeah, changes. Yeah, fo- folders was Mate. useful. Uh, System 7 obviously had a huge visual refresh, but it didn't actually yeah. change the way things worked very much. Folders, folders is handy. Um, you know, I I guess I'm either not imaginative enough or don't use the clever features of iOS enough to say yeah, I really I want something probably, to change. I think that's probably it. I think I'm... I think I'm the same, Simon. I, I use my iPad a lot, but I use it in a very, fairly basic way, really. I very yes. rarely multitask. Um, I tell you one feature that I love, and it's not—it's not relating to the Mac, to the uh, iPad particularly, uh, or or the phone. Um, it's um, copy and paste across devices. It's oh, just the best thing since yes. <laughs> oh my god! I, I love—I love the fact. I love the fact that I can set up a Zoom meeting on my ipad um and because it because it's an account I, I i then i actually run the zoom meeting on my mac 
uh, and I send emails out to everybody from my iPad, but I also put it in WhatsApp, and I haven't got WhatsApp on my iPad, but I literally just copy it and paste it into WhatsApp yep. on my phone. And the fact that I can do that, there's no extra steps. There's no complicated, you know, swing it round your head three times and no, dip it no, in custard. it's just <laughs> it's it's just copy and paste. The, wonderful. Yeah, the ability to I don't know. I mean, handoff in 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 general is just superb. So it is uh, really clever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm not sure whether other devices can do that, whether whether Microsoft stuff does that or Google stuff does that. But it, it I love it. I love the I love the ability of being able to use move seamlessly from one device to another. Yeah, in that cut way. and paste That's something from very your, clever. You know, you can copy something on your iPad and paste it on your phone or on your Mac or yeah, it's the near. Nearest we get to the nearest we get to magic. It is. It is. <laughs> um, what else? What else? You see, I'm a, a, a man of simple pleasures. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you know, I use my phone a huge amount, but I mostly use it for um, you know doing Slack, doing messaging, reading the news in Apple News. I don't do anything really very yeah. clever. It's a, a bit of the thing that came up no, that's right. last week, isn't it? You know, heavy users mistake themselves for power users, and that's not yeah, the same thing at all. that's right. Not the same thing. You, so you might spend... use your device a lot, but you might do very simple things a lot. Yeah, but that's not the same as being a power user. You know, a power user is somebody who's, I don't know, editing video on their... Um, you know, on there. Yeah, it's someone. It's someone who's who's testing the uh, the uh, outer limits of the ability of, of the, what you of can the, do uh, of the device. So, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't yeah. matter whether that's the Mac, the phone, the iPad, whatever. Oh, I tell you what, I did see the other day for the f- first time in the wild. Um, I met a guy who's got an iPad Pro with the Apple um sort of floating keyboard stand. You know the magic. Oh yeah, keyboard yeah. for iPad. I have to say, it's a very, very nice piece of kit in the flesh. Um, as you said, it was a lot of money. <laughs> it was a lot of money, yeah. but um, he says he's really glad he bought it. So you know, anecdotal cool. tale that it was money well spent. Um, he loves it. He says it's absolutely. And I suppose, brilliant. I suppose, uh, yeah, I suppose for um, as everyone has been saying, M two since February last year. <laughs> um i would guess uh that we're going to see something powered by m2 at I, wwdc i'm not sure if we'll see something powered by it we might get um we might get a, an introduction a look, to perhaps an introduction yeah. saying and what's coming next is we might get a preview of the uh, what the Mac Pro, how the Mac Pro is going to be configured. I don't think, I think it's unlikely they're actually going to bring out any hardware because that's not really what WWDC yeah, is about. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's right. And the title of it is Swiftly Coming or something, is it? Oh, so something it, like that. Yeah, it, it obviously it's for programmers, isn't it, mostly? Mostly. But we have had hardware in the past. We have occasionally, or at least announcements of things, like the Apple Watch, I think, was introduced at WWDC. WWDC, even though it wasn't released for months later. Yeah. And I think that was probably to allow right. developers yeah. to start making things for the watch. Um, and no doubt they had, you know, workshops on how to make things for the watch. Um, yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's I, right. I think we yes, might... If you want, if you want your, go, your... Yeah, go on. Go on. Sorry. All right. I was going to say, I think we might no. get an introduction <laughs> to the M2. Um 
we might see some previews of hardware, but I don't think we're going to see anything actually introduced. Um, okay. Yeah, I think a, right. I think a lot of it. This, the, the the thing about swiftly um, indicates to me that possibly Apple are going to start forcing, you know, enforcing more strictly that things make more use of Swift. Um, or maybe they're going to introduce a new, you know, a newer updated version of Swift or the Swift UI kit or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't like to speculate too much because it usually makes you look stupid, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can't. I can't say there's something I really, really am desperate for. The only thing I would like is can I, iOS stop breaking my lock sound when I close my phone? I know I'm on the betas. <laughs> I'm on the betas, but I, periodically you get this thing where the phone, when you shut the phone, it no longer makes the snapping lock sound. And you oh, have to, right. And I've had it on and off throughout, I don't know, at least two um, versions of iOS. And it comes and goes. You know, it's like a regression thing. It comes back and... What you have to do then usually is go into the the system preferences or whatever it is, like toggle the lock sound on and off, then toggle the um, the mute button on and off, and then reboot the phone, and then it will usually come back. But it, <laughs> and it's trivial. I know it's probably you know it's the most trivial of things, but it annoys me because when I press the button, I like to hear the click because I don't always close the phone like in front of my face, often yeah. I'll press that button as I'm putting it in my pocket. So I like to hear that reassuring click to know that it's actually turned off. Anyway, there you go. That comes and goes. The other thing that comes and goes in the betas is where your watch will apparently decide that it's going to lock itself for no good reason at all. You know, you've done nothing oh. to disconnect it from your phone or anything, but you, you turn your watch up and it's like locked. And then you can either enter the tap code or you can... Um, open your phone i usually just open the phone and let that unlock it but that's a mild annoyance but again it's trivial it's trivial nothing serious there we are okay well that's enough about that then we'll wait until uh wwdc and see what we really get let's be honest um yeah. what 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 date is this is it the sixth i believe six i believe it's on the sixth which is a Monday, which makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's a week-long conference, so... Yeah, so I'll probably... I might get... Well, actually, I might get to see it all because these days they tend to not go over an hour very much, do they? No, they so, don't. It's know. a bit of luck because I've got to go... I, I have a choir on Monday night, but it's not till uh, not till quarter to eight. So. Oh, well, you'd, even if it ran over a bit, you'd be all right, wouldn't you? There you go. They normally start yeah. at 6 p.m., yeah. don't they? There you go. I they think do. it's yeah six p.m. here, so there we are. So I'm looking here, for yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I always look forward to them. The only thing, <laughs> yeah, what I don't really want to hear is twenty minutes about how fabulously we've updated photos yet again. I'm really not that interested. Yeah, or or, or that's right, or twenty seven or twenty five minutes on emojis. Oh yeah, <laughs> please not. enough. No, enough of that. Thank you, and me emojis and whatnot. You know, all very nice, but enough of that. Right. Anyway, uh. Shall we go on to some actual news stories? Um, according to 9to5Mac and some other sites, only three Macs are um, available for immediate shipping from Apple um, due to, uh, you know, supply chain constraints, etc., etc. Um, about the 
only uh, machines you can get hold of are the 13-inch MacBook Pro, uh, the iMac, and the Mac Mini. Um, if you're looking for the studio or the studio display or um, the 16-inch MacBook, some of those have got shipping times extending out, um, you know, into the month or more. Um, there we are. Um, the main you know, reason behind this appears to be uh, disruption in China due to their pandemic uh, COVID-19 lockdowns, uh, the demand for chips by car makers, and as it says here, the biggest issue is not CPUs or GPUs, but mundane chips such as display drivers, power management chips, um, you know, low-tech we chips. We were talking about black boxes. <laughs> we were talking about black boxes before we started, weren't we? <laughs> we were. Um yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised, really, because, I mean, the car industry has been hit hugely by it. Uh, yes. I mean, these days, it's really difficult to get a new car and get a new electric car. You're probably talking 18 months now, which is ridiculous. Yep. But there you go. And um, as we know, several manufacturers are shipping cars, you know, lacking certain chips and saying when they're available, you'll be able to take your car back to the dealer and have the chip installed. So some of those yeah. are things like automatic um, aircon control or automatic windows or those sort of things. Um, yeah. Apparently, also in this report, what it says is um, a recent report says there are shortages, shortages across seven chip categories and four of them will continue to be affected through 2022. And this is exacerbated by a shortage of the chips which make new chip making machines. So basically <laughs> they're having problem getting the chips to make new chip making, you know, fab machines. There we go. That's um, somewhat ironic, I suppose. Um, Apple Podcasts apparently has gained storage cleanup tools, support for annual subscriptions, and oh, go away. No. Apple Podcasts gains, yes, uh, storage, cleanup tools, support for annual subscriptions, and a new subscription system. Um, I'm not going to go into that. There you go. That's from TechCrunch. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, I don't use Apple Podcasts myself. Um, and I, we don't... I, don't know, I don't know many people who do. I mean, most people use something else, don't they? Yeah, Overcast. Apple Podcasts has always been not very good. Not been particularly good. Um, well, it's just not had the features people want. No. Um, I mean, the, thing, the thing I like about Overcast most is being able to have my own playlist that mm. prioritises stuff the way I want them prioritised. Mm. So if I want to listen to one particular podcast as soon as it comes out, it sticks that at the top. Yep. Which is, you know, I think that's a really good feature. And you can prioritise also, can't you, each individual um, podcast that you listen to. You can prioritise yeah. whether it shows you the newest one at the top or the oldest one at the top. Um, That's right. And, and you can do and that. And how many you want to see as yes, well. Yes, you so can. You, you know, might only you want can... the last two or three showing. Or yes, whatever. most of mine are set to three because if it's more. But, for example, um, like Chuck Joyner's um, Mac Voices Live, I have set to show the oldest one first because, obviously, quite often he'll break a show up into three segments. So right. I don't want to listen to so part three. Sense, yeah. You know, I don't want to listen to part three before I listen to part two. But other shows, like, say, the Vergecast, <coughs> sorry, I prefer to have the newest one first so that I can yeah. 
because I don't listen to every Verge cast ever, because some of them are about things that don't interest me. So I like to have the newest one at the top. And then, um, you know, go on. That's Overcast. I mean, what's the other one um, that's very popular? Can't think now. Um well, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. There are <laughs> the other thing. one. Whatever the other one is. <laughs> yeah, the other one. Well, there's lots on there. Aren't there? there are plenty of them. Is you it know. Pocket? Is pocket it Cast. Pocket Cast. Yeah. Pocket Cast. And then, of course, um, there's Castro, which is another one. Anyway, there we are. Um, but the fact is, Apple, Apple's podcast, it, it, yeah, it just fell behind all the what the others could do, really. Yeah, and, um, it's... I think, I think once you've moved away to something that you're happy with, you're not likely to move back. No, you're not likely to move back, to be honest. Um, after the open letter from um, film professionals, Apple has offered to work alongside filmmakers to improve Final Cut Pro uh, from Cult of Mac. Um, again, oh, that's good. Uh, in April, a group of film and TV professionals signed an open letter asking Apple to address long-standing Final Cut Pro upgrade requests. Cupertino offered reassurance in a public reply. Um, Apple replies to the open letter about making Final Cut Pro a standard tool. Um, Creative community has been important to us at Apple. The response also pledged to address important feature requests and said Apple will add new training products, expanding workshops and setting up a consultation panel of experts. So basically they're um, offering to address the professionals' um, concerns. So good, you know, good for them. Um, yeah, listen to how listen, Apple have changed. Yes, though. listen to your <laughs> listen to your uh, users. Um, the EU plans to force Apple to give developers access to all of the hardware. Um, this is on Mac Rumors. The European Union is pressing ahead with legislation to regulate companies like Apple, setting plans to force gatekeeper companies to open access to their hardware and software and to set up a department to meet the new rules. Um, basically, what they're saying is they don't want people like Google or Apple or Samsung to prevent third-party developers from having access to certain features. Like, for example, I know um, the NFC chip in, you know, newer um, iPhones. Many third-party companies would like access to that, but um, Apple are very cagey about who's allowed to make use of the NFC hardware. Um, And there are other bits and pieces. I find it. I, I always find it quite ironic that that the EU or any government body come to that has any say over what a private company decides to do with its own equipment and its own. It just. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I I, I believe in legislation to keep companies from um, profiteering off. Um, you know, for hurting people. I don't want companies to be to be allowed to hurt people in any way. But at the same time, I mean, I think we've talked about this so many times before. The app store is Apple's. It's Apple's app store. And I just do not understand this logic that for some reason, because it's popular and because it's big and because a lot of money goes through it, that somehow third parties should have access to that. It doesn't I, make any sense to me. I think... When it comes to things like the App Store, I'm not so keen on, you know, legislators deciding what Apple should or shouldn't do. I think the problem the EU have here, and I kind of agree, actually, to some extent, which is um, 
Apple makes the hardware, Apple makes the software, and there are certain things that they restrict third parties from having access to. And what the EU, as far as I can make out, are saying is third parties should be able to say we would like access to the face ID to verify something, you know. And I know at the moment some apps can, you know, your banking app can say, would you like to use face ID? Um, But not everything is allowed. And the NFC chip, only certain apps are allowed access to that. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not averse to that move. As long as it's applied equally to all of the, you know, major manufacturers. Um, yes, I I, the, the, there's a so the the, what, the top rated comment below. <laughs> you can see how some people um, think about it. The very first comment is, uh, uh, while uh, while you're at it, EU, can I have access to all the engine management and infotainment systems for every car manufacturer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know you know it's it's complicated isn't it because programmers who program stuff for apple stuff wouldn't have a job if it weren't for the fact that apple created a store and give them tools to create stuff on that <laughs> yeah it, it is it doesn't matter how you look at it it belongs to apple and really you know should we be unless it's unless it's actually endangering someone's life or making Apple richer for no readily apparent reason, which I, you know, I'm not all for really. I don't want them to get richer and richer and richer because it's just such a waste of money. But at the same time, it is Apple stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind so, of yeah. I, I find, I find this very difficult indeed. Because it's difficult. It is why difficult. Should, why should Apple be pushed around all the while? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think my thing there is as long as the similar, you know, um, they're talking about what they call gatekeeper companies. So they're talking about Google and Samsung and uh, Apple, really, um, that you can't. Well, we know what they're all saying. What they're all saying, look, you have all the money. Can we have some of it, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, I don't think they are. I think what they're talking about there is if you build a hardware feature, it should be available to everybody who writes an app to use so yeah and and i agree with that as long as it's protecting our security you know if apple are doing it for a very good reason to protect our security then then it's not a foregone conclusion that they should be giving these people what they want no it isn't and it you know it is let's face it let's face it companies will sometimes ask for what they want regardless of what security is indeed that is also true probably name some of those (laughs) yes we can i mean one of the things they mention is access to the secure enclave i'm not sure that letting facebook have access to the secure enclave is a good plan so uh, uh, you know, I have I have some reservations. So you you know yes you know that um, I'm I'm quite lax with my security in comparison to you, for instance, uh, and particularly far more lax than maybe people like Bar who are you know know huge amounts about security. Um, so I have got a Facebook account and um, I do post stuff on it, and it knows a lot of stuff about me. But 
there's a line. There's a line I draw. Like most yes. people, there's a line. Mine I... might be a higher line than some. Um, so my sister decided that she would uh, raise some money for WaterAid, which, you know, yes, as a work good. for a water company, that's something I think is wonderful. However, she decided to do it through Facebook, and Facebook wanted me to give it my card details. And I said to my sister, I'll give you the money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll give you the cash. And if you want to put that in Facebook, that's up to you. But I'm not going anywhere near it. <laughs> no, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. what else have we got? Um, FCC filings reveal Apple's mysterious network adapter running iOS. Um, this was on 9 to 5 Mac, and it's the... It's based on the fact that if you, you know, if you produce anything which transmits on the radio frequencies, you have to register it with the FCC um, to make sure that, you know, doesn't mangle emergency networks or interfere with, you know, ambulance net radios and all yeah. those sorts of things. So obviously, of course, they dig these things out by checking through them. Um, apparently, FCC filings this week revealed a mysterious network adapter running iOS, codenamed A2657 and described as a network adapter. Apple sent a sample unit to the agency on January the 22nd. There are no images um, and uh, the documents only describe details of internal hardware. Apparently, it has two gigabit Ethernet ports, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and NFC antennas, a USB-C port, um, and 32 gig of internal storage and 1.5 gig of RAM. Um, a second version is fixed with a Lightning port, not USB-C, and has only one gig of RAM. Um, based on the documents, this adapter runs firmware 19F47, which is an early internal version of iOS 15.5. Um, based on that, we're assuming the adapter runs an Apple Silicon chip. Um, apart from that, FCC has tested the accessory connected to a MacBook Pro and an iMac. Uh, all other details run clear as Apple has requested a non-disclosure agreement until November 2022. Um, now, a lot of people started saying, oh, you know, Apple are going to release a new router and, a, you know, some sort of new airport. Um, I'm not sure. Um, it's a possibility, I suppose. But, I mean, Apple stopped doing networking kit some time ago. Um, and a the follow-up. Thing that strikes me about, the only thing that strikes me about it is that some people really do need to get out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> if they're watching FCC filings this closely. Yes, yes. They really need, they really need to find something else to do. Well, of course, what they do in there, <laughs> but they, they look in there to see if they can find out how many, for example, how many iPhone models there might be or you know, those sort of things. But um, according to Mac Rumors, Apple's mystery network adap adapter found in the FCC filing is likely for internal use only. So, you know, I don't know quite where they got that information. Let's have a quick look. Um, blah, 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 much of the same stuff. Uh, the device appears to lack support for 802.11 AC wireless, um, also known as Wi-Fi 5, which has been superseded by Wi-Fi 6. It only uses the 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi band, whereas most commercial routers and consumer products use 2.4 and 5. 
with 5 gigahertz usually offering a better performance. Um, apparently, it is intended I really to re- I really receive. Don't care. No, no, blah blah blah. <laughs> I mean, again, this is one of those. You know, Apple will have to register it, even if it's for their own internal use. Um, I suspect that's quite possibly an internal testing thing that they're going to use to, you know, for engineers and people. Um, I think I probably agree or with perhaps that. They're reg- I suppose. I suppose what they're thinking is, if it's embargoed till till November, then perhaps they're going to release something in October that will be that Possibly. will make use of it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but I don't really care. No, so, I don't really care either. To be on. honest, <laughs> move on. Um, oh, this this story is sort of um, a bit weird. A guest drops their Apple Watch on whilst on a Disney World ride, and then claims that forty thousand dollars in fraudulent credit card charges resulted now um this is on nine to five mac again um to be honest it all feels you can read the piece it and various people have commented it all sells sounds a bit sus to me i mean a if you've looked if you drop your watch it immediately locks so unless they had a stupid easy passcode like one two three four or other you know one 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 or some other silly passcode um i don't see how that could actually work they're claiming that it the the watch was connected to apple pay which was connected to an amex card with no credit limit and they claim that forty thousand pound got or forty thousand dollars was spent um to be honest if you dropped your watch and then uh she claims that disney said that um the staff would collect it and bring it back to her, and they didn't. And subsequently, forty thousand dollars was, you know, charged to her credit card. That all seems very, very sus to me, to be honest. Yeah. And if you, you know, why not just immediately go, you know, disconnect, disconnect it from your account? That's not difficult to do. One of the first things Apple tell you to do if you lose a device, disconnect it from your iCloud and lock it up, which you can do with Find Me. So that all sounds very sus to me. If it really did, um, I think Apple would want to know how and why, but that all sounds a bit dubious to me. Um, Reality OS trademark uh, suggests a possible WWDC announcement. Um, This obviously is based around the speculation that um, a mixed reality type headset might appear. Um, Bit of a rumour. Well, we've been talking about we've been talking about this for years, haven't we? Yes. I mean, but, Apple themselves have been talking about, they haven't been talking about a device specifically, but they've been talking about, you know, their interest in VR yes. and AR. And, so, and I can't believe that, I can't believe the little bit of um, distance measurement kind of stuff is what they were talking about, surely. No. That, that's already been, it's already being used for. Um, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if something's coming, but. Yeah, I mean, I've seen several sites kind of predicting the AR glasses, and I'm thinking, like, no, no, Apple have never predicted that. Um, We know that's what they're aiming for, but even Ming-Chi Kuo said the first product will be a headset, you know, like the HoloLens or the Oculus 2 or whatever it is, which my boy recently bought. Um, There we go. Yeah, I um, mean, whatever whatever it is, it'll probably be priced at, uh, in such a way that I won't be able to afford it. But... Yeah, quite likely, quite likely. Knowing um, Apple. Knowing Apple. Um, evidence of iPad floating app window shows up in 
Apple's WebKit. This is on Cult Mac. That's what we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. Right. So according to, I don't know, I think it must be, might be Mr. German. Let me double check. Um, no, a developer unknown. Um, there's a new reason to think iPad OS 16 might include support for resizable floating app windows. Uh, a developer has found evidence that this um, hopeful feature is being added to the browser engine for iPad and iPhone. Right, well, if you're interested in reading that, go read it. I'm not going to dig into it too yeah, far. Yeah, one, one of the headings is, one of the headings is, WebKit points to a huge iPad change. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Apple expands its cork campus in ireland um we talked about this the other day didn't i said i thought i'd read somewhere that apple was planning to expand in cork um the uh apple has announced today it will build a new office building in cork as the tech giant expands its workforce this new building can accommodate up to 1300 staff uh the company say both current and new store staff will work in a four-story facility not sure how many staff will be added, but it is expected most of this facility will include new hires. Um, yeah, good, good for Ireland. Yeah. And apparently, the Cork campus yes, has, to be... has bought has bought got a uh, got an Apple store yet. I mean, no, <laughs> no, been he has complaining hasn't. for years that they haven't got an Apple store. The Cork oh. campus expansion will feature an employee transport service, green communal spaces, and uh, run on a hundred percent renewable energy. I believe they may be actually shutting their old building and um, expanding this one. Apparently, yeah, it currently right. has six thousand employees in Cork. Um, over the last five years, the company has spent $268 million on expanding the campus. So, you know, good for Ireland, um, good for yeah. jobs, good for Apple. Um, nice, you know. Um, Apple has uh, told suppliers that it wishes to expand its manufacturing outside China. Um, well, there's no surprise there, is it? We know that they're already building, you know, um, plants in Brazil, Vietnam, India. Uh, so that's... No, if you want the details, read the report on 9 to 5 Mac. But uh, no real surprise, people like Pegatron and Foxconn are building plants outside of China. Um, so there yeah, you go. I think the, uh, I think the, I think the Russia thing has uh, been a big wake-up call for all sorts of uh, businesses. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> so they're just spreading their, um, their risk. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's not surprising. Um, on the technology front, this one's interesting. A new enzyme found in compost set a speed record for breaking down plastic. Um, right, a plastic container thrown into landfill can take hundreds of years to break down, but a newly discovered enzyme can eat the waste in less than a day. Um, a highly efficient polyester hydrolase known as PHL7 was recently found in a German cemetery munching through the compost. It is able to decompose uh, polythene terephthalate, which is PET. PVC. PET. No, PET, which is what they make um, lots of um, food containers from, by 90% within 16 hours. Um, Then it talks about previous... 
a previously discovered uh, PET guzzling enzyme called LLC was found at a recycling plant in Japan. Um, LLC has been tweaked by scientists to create an even more voracious mutant than is natural, and even this has a thing or two to learn from PHL7. Um, right, as it says, neither PHL7 nor LLC can fully degrade pet plastics with higher crystallinity, which by which I think you'll find they mean Coke bottles. Yeah, because most fizzy pop bottles are made from PET. But if you give it a fruit punnet, basically the the clear PET bottles apparently um, cannot be attacked. But give it a fruit punnet made of PET plastic and it can break it down in less than 24 hours. Even better, byproducts of this process can be built back up to create new plastic. So there you go. Um, Apparently, when plastic products are sent to a recycling plant, the process to melt it down and create something new is intensive and expensive. So um, biological recycling could help create cheap and efficient circular plastic economies. Um, And over the past few years, scientists have been racing to develop plastic-eating bacteria for this very purpose. So there you go. That's good news. Um, I'm sure it will be some time before it turns into, uh, you know, a commercial process. But the discovery of something that can eat plastic very quickly is... And better still, leave behind byproducts that can be recycled into new products is very good. Um, we it like is. those sort of things. We like those sort of things. Um, Amazon Freevee launches on Apple TV. Um, Amazon's Freevee is what was previously known as IMDb TV. Um, so it's not that's not a huge thing. If you have Amazon, you could get IMDb TV through Amazon. Um, it's now been rebranded as Free V, apparently, and is being put on the Apple TV as uh, a standalone app. So, you know, whoop de doo But jolly good. There Can't we go. Complain about more content. No, more content. Um, researchers. Even most of the stuff it talks about. Most of the stuff it talks about. <laughs> I've never heard of. Well, IMDb TV, mostly mostly American stuff, is a a free ad supported service, and you can get it if you have Amazon Prime. You you used to be able to find it in there as a channel. I think you'll probably still be in Amazon Prime, Um, but I guess they're launching it as a standalone app. Um, It unsurprisingly, it carries mostly older series and older films, Um, but you know. If you're searching through Netflix and think, I've watched all the programs on Netflix I'm interested in right now, it's not a bad place to find a film. You can find films on there that, um, you know, that you, you can pay for on Amazon or you can watch them on what is now Freevee um, without paying by saying, yes, I'll have ads. So, you know. Um, yeah. Researchers have powered an ARM processor for a year using a tank of algae. Um which is interesting. Um, a tiny yeah. system the size of a AA battery and runs an ARM Cortex M0 Plus processor. Rather than using a rechargeable battery, the researchers used a non-toxic blue-green algae to harvest energy when it's exposed to the sun. Um, the end result is enough energy to power the ARM chip, the continuous source of power, and doesn't drain like a battery. When the sun comes up, power comes on. When the sun goes down, you might be surprised to find that it doesn't actually stop. 
The research t team believes the algae has enough food left to continue producing power even in the dark. Um, University of Cambridge Department of Biochemistry and author of the paper explained how useful this can be. The growing Internet of Things needs an increasing amount of power. We think this will have to come from systems which generate energy rather than storing it in batteries. Um, testing under natural light in a domestic environment and semi-outdoor condition resulted in a continuous power production for six months, at which point the paper was submitted. The algae keep on photosynthesizing and the chimp continues to get the power and it has now been running for a year. Um, the idea here is they're saying this is not, you know, you're not going to run your phone or your laptop off it. Um, but it is highly desirable for IoT devices. Um, it was predicted that there will be... 152,000 IoT devices connecting to the internet every minute by 2025. Um, mm. This is potentially a lot of lithium that can be saved for more power-hungry devices which require batteries. So I guess they're talking about, you know, simple sensor-type things, light sensors yeah. and uh, motion something detectors. Something very little power. Yeah, something... I, I think that's really clever. Yeah, and I let's want, face I it, want to hear the advert says, you know, I want to hear the advert that says, Mac... M3 with added algae. <laughs> yes, with added algae. Now with blue-green algae. Um, no, I think that's I think that's really clever. I mean, things like uh, doorbells, for instance, they're on the outside of your house. They're in yeah. the sunshine. Why not? And you know, it doesn't have to be direct sunshine, does it? Let's face it. You know, photosynthesis works as long as you've got some light. Um, yeah. Even if it's maybe teamed up. I think with that's the... really cl uh, clever. Yeah. It may never come to anything particularly, but it, it's still really clever. And well, of course, it, it, it could do. You could find things, things coming with these, you know, with a little tank of algae attached and um, just, you know, fit it to the wall and leave it alone. Anyway, um, also, this is another kind of experimental thing. Scientists have turned nuclear waste into diamond batteries which last thousands of years. Um, again, this is um, a prototype. Uh, they're very, they're beta voltaic and gamma voltaic batteries. Um, as it says here, nuclear power is considered clean because it has no carbon dioxide emissions, but it produces amounts of hazardous radioactive waste which pile up. Right? Um, basically, uh, radioactive diamond batteries were developed by a team of physicists from the Cabot Institute uh, in Bristol. The invention was presented as a beta voltaic device, which means it's powered by the beta decay of nuclear waste. Um, I won't go into the whole list of this because it's relatively long. Um, basically, by um, combining the um, nuclear uh, waste uh, graphite, which contains the radioactive carbon-14, um, can be mixed with semiconductors and turned into a kind of uh, battery, which will last for up to 5,000 years. The Bristol team warned the radioactive diamond batteries would not be suitable for laptops or smartphones because uh, they provide very low power, only a few microwatts, even less than a typical AAA battery or AA battery. Um, their application so far is limited to very small devices which stay unattended for long periods of time, such as sensors or pacemakers. Um, <laughs> yeah, and now I've got pictures of a post-apocalyptic post world where everyone's doorbell still works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So every, everyone's dead, but the doorbells work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you seen, talking of that, have you seen uh, there's a new series of Love, Death and Robots? Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Right, no. there's, a new, there's a new series of Love, Death and Robots, and the first one has these three robots. At least I think it's the new series. There's three robots going around. There's a thing that looks like a pyramid, um, a thing that looks something like the sort of, uh, you know, the Elon Musk predicted humanoid robot and the other one that looks like the yeah. the little robots that you get in the ps4 uh playground um and they're right. going around in a post-apocalyptic world and the, the the sort of tutor bot is explaining to them what happened to the human race and it's very very funny and they get to a bit where they come to a, an oil rig saying and the last hope of humanity was this oil rig where the the super rich retreated to try and set up a new society and they're going oh okay well why didn't it work and there's all skeletons everywhere you know and it's like why didn't it work yeah they were all tech millionaires what are tech millionaires they're like ordinary millionaires but more paranoid and suffering from cr- uh, crushing social anxieties <laughs> <laughs> and at the end he goes so oh, so you know basically so they were all doomed because they were nasty to the robots and the robots killed them all yeah basically <laughs> but yeah love death and robots i do like that it's a it's a good show i think there's nine new shows anyway there we are um let's press on uh security and privacy block annoying uh cookie banners on every website um this is from life hacker they've got a couple of um suggestions but um the main one is they are suggesting um an app they've got um cookie ba- block book cookie banners on the iphone and ipad um what they're suggesting um they've got something for android as well but there is a product free um called super agent which attempts to block all of those pop-ups for you um it's free i've installed it to safari on my desktop to give it a go the main thing about this which is different from a lot of others is it doesn't simply just say okay to everything you can um if you register which means giving them an email address i admit but um you can then say what you want it to set your preferences to which is functional cookies which obviously obviously you want to have turned on but then there's like performance cookies uh, something else reporting cookies and everything else and you can set them so uh, for now on mine i've basically said you can allow functioning functional cookies you know required functional cookies everything else refuse um i only installed it this afternoon so next week i'll tell you how i get on with it but um yeah oh, i'll be interested to hear how you get on with that yeah yeah but rather than you know rather than getting rid of it by automatically saying okay this actually will try and select what um what cookies are allowed um that's clever uh, and it's got a thing as well about please re- you know if you get a website where it doesn't work there's a report button where you can report back that it didn't work or if a site doesn't work you can you know temporarily turn it off and so on and so forth um so i thought that was uh worth a look it's called super agent and you can find super it in the agent. app stores um some researchers have demonstrated how to install malware on an iPhone even when it's turned off from IT Pro. Uh, we've been going a while, so I'm not going to dig into it too far. 
um, worth in reading if you're interested in that. More interesting, Proton Mail rebranding and adding a lot more storage to all of the plans. This was on Engadget, and um, I mentioned the other week, didn't I, that I'd had a, an email from um, Proton Mail slash Andy Yen um, telling us that, you know, changes were coming. Um, going forward, Proton will now offer three plans, free, Mail Plus, and Unlimited. The free tier will expand its storage to one gig and remains constrained. You can only send 150 messages a day and have three labels and folders. Um, you can also access the basic Proton VPN tool and user calendar. You're limited to one calendar. Proton has long said it doesn't serve ad, it relies on subscriptions. It's not surprising the free plan is restricted. Although, to be honest, you know, one gig of storage um, and 150 messages a day seems fairly generous. Um, yeah. Uh, the Mail Plus plan is €5 Euros a month, although you can get it for less if you sign up for a year or two years. Um, it's a big upgrade over the old plan. You will now get 15 gig of storage. Uh, shared between email so and they say, Proton Drive. So when they say storage, are they talking about number of emails? For your mail, basically, yes. Mail and attachments. Yeah. But what they've also done is basically um, merged all the services rather than kind of being um, Proton VPN and Proton Drive, which was only in beta. I don't think, you know. What they're trying to do is merge all of their services into a googly style, you get everything. Yeah? Right. Um, and so on. Um, there's lots. There's lots to decipher here. This is on Engadget and it explains a lot of the changes. And as I say, we'll be trying to get um, Andy Yen not to come on and talk to us about what they've done. Um, the main thing is they're yeah, just that'd be good. they're attempting to go a bit more googly and rather than have various separate plans that you can have to merge together and you know I mean they always had discounts if you have Proton Mail and you're paying for it and then you say you would like the Proton VPN at a paid level they'll give you a discount and if you buy two years at once they'll give you another discount and so on um, yeah yeah so yeah uh, yes yeah, see company is now just simply going by Proton because mail is not all they do and unifies its products under some new plans so if you're interested in that that's worth a look um i've already received all the new versions of everything um and several emails explaining what's going on um duck duck go browser allows microsoft trackers due to search agreement uh requirements uh, this was on bleeping computer and um Unfortunately, what it means is that uh, the DuckDuckGo browser is not as secure as you might like. Microsoft can track what you do. This doesn't affect the search engine, which is a separate thing altogether, um, but it means that the DuckDuckGo browser is nowhere near as, you know, private as you might think. Might not be your best bet. Sorry about that, but um, I think it's a... Um, DuckDuckGo say they would prefer it not to be that way, but due to the fact that they um, use Bing as a lot of their back end, Microsoft has kind of uh, told them they want access to... Twisted their arms. Yes, they're, you know, rock and a hard place. Um, worth chirps. 
clean up pictures, how to easily remove objects from your photo from Petapixel. If you're interested in that, just go read it. I think Jim sent that one in. Um, Music Mini Player for Mac offers an iTunes 10 nostalgia with modern twists. Um, I don't know if you remember in iTunes, you used to be able to turn it down into a little tiny bar, floating bar. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, well... um, I do that occasionally by accident. I think, where's iTunes gone? Well, apparently (laughs) this app is called Mini Music Player and um, looks and works similarly to that, but has some modern features. Uh, It it actually looks quite like an old... uh, I think that's the point. Like like the old player, doesn't it? I think that's the whole point of it, really. Um, The utility replicates the design of the classic iTunes 10 Mini Player with added modern twists. um, Head below for more details. Um, Apparently your phone has a secret setting that makes voice sound clearer on FaceTime calls. This isn't actually secret. Um, I'm pretty sure they talked about it on... um, one of their last, one of their presentations. It's called voice isolation. Oh, right. uh, basically, the idea is if you're in a noisy environment, you can turn it on, and it's supposed to help, you know, tune out the background noise. Um, apparently, it lives in. Uh, you have to start FaceTime, open the control center, tap the mic, select voice isolation, and apparently you have to do it individually per call. Um, there's no way of setting it on all the time, which seems like a bit of a bit of a drag. But there you go. Um, that was I, I'm pretty sure Apple talked about it though um, on one of their presentations. And uh, how to fix system data filling your iPhone storage from Apple Insider. Again, instructions on how to um, help clear out some of the cruft that may accumulate in your iPhone storage, which is down to the iOS itself. Um, there we go. Snippets. Um, oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, what I've got. A, I've got an essential tip. Um, I found this out. Uh, I was talking to Simon before we started about um, issues I've been having down at church again. With yeah, that, I'm going to. Pro- I'm probably going to um, stick that in the you, after show, to be honest, because it was quite interesting. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Uh, but if you want to, um, if you want to rescan for. Uh, 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 if an external display isn't showing on your um, device, um, you can actually rescan for it. And what you do is you go into, um, so you don't have to pull the plug out and push it back in again kind of thing. Uh, if, if you go into system preferences and go to displays, uh, and these days you've got universal control and night shift in the bottom right-hand corner. Um, uh, if you hold down option, but you have to have another. I mean, it doesn't work if you haven't got another display connected. No, obviously. If you if you hold down option, night shift turns into rescan for displays, and and you can rescan for your displays there. There you go. So there you go. That's a new thing. Your option key is reason, always your friend. A new thing I've learned. It hasn't helped me solve my problem, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's a useful thing to know. Exactly. It's amazing what things the option key will provide you. Um, you know, if you go to yeah. your if you go to your Wi-Fi um, and hold down the option key before you click on it, or you know, whilst you click on it, you'll get a whole load more information than you get if you just oh, click on right. the Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, and the lots one of thing I never that. ever, yeah, the one thing I never ever got used to was um, duplicating stuff um, like in pages. Mm. Um, 
So I always hold down option and go save as. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> bring I'm, save as back. Bring save as back, yeah. I'm afraid the um I kind of got the idea of the Apple's versioning thing in their apps, but I'm afraid most of us are entrenched after thirty plus years of save as and that's um, right. That's right. So I still I still when I'm doing the church magazine, I usually pick up the previous magazine and then save as under yep. a new name. And then, save as and then edit that. Precisely. Sorry, save as whether it's the most efficient way or not has become, you know, the de facto way that you deal with it. Windows work that way, Mac work that way, uh, you know, Linux works that way. Let's just stick with it, shall we? Um and the just a snippet, uh, Britain's first fully solar powered plane takes off. This was in the Telegraph. Uh, good for them. It's got a flight time of an hour, so you know you're not going very far in it. Um, there you that go. Looks, um, that's the Pipistrel, isn't it? Uh, well, that picture looks like Pipistrel, which is the an electric plane. But I didn't think it was solar powered. Um, well, maybe they've taken an electric plane and then looks like they're chucked. It doesn't look like it's got solar panels on it. Oh, they've I got... see. No, it's not. No, it is. It's an electric plane charged by solar panels. Off the grid. Not on the plane. The yeah. solar panels are separate. <laughs> yes. So they're yeah. using it to charge it. Yes, that's the... Uh, yeah, if you do a search on uh, fully charged and uh, Pipistrel, uh, there's a picture of... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, what, Llewellyn? Gone. Yeah, Robert Llewellyn looking very frightened inside a very bumpy... <laughs> Small electric plane. On a on a um, on a side side note, actually, just out of interest, I received um, an email from Citroen, obviously because my car's a Citroen and I'm registered with the Citroen dealer um, this morning, yeah. saying, you know, look at our electric options because Citroen were rather slow coming to the electric game, so they now they were uh, touting that they have a a, a hybrid C three hybrid, I think. Um, don't know if that's right. a plug-in hybrid or a self-charging hybrid. Um, obviously, they have the E4, which is the one you've got and the one I was eyeing up that um, have put off for a while. But apparently, the Citroen ME will be coming to the UK. That's a little tiny plastic <laughs> thing that looks like a Playmobil car. Um, that's right. It's maximum speed twenty-eight miles an hour. Yes, and I can't remember its range. But I mean, d- don't get me wrong. For, uh, for getting around cities and things, it might be one of those things that you could hire. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or on campuses, perhaps. You know. But it's come. It's coming. It's coming to the UK. I'm not sure it will be as popular as it is in France because in France it's treated as a basically an electric quadricycle, and you don't have to have. Yes, in France. Uh, that's right. And they can drive from fourteen. I think in France on certain vehicles, yeah, These something things. like. That. So yeah. it's. Although that said, there's a guy um, who's moved in next to me who has a thing called an e-scooter, spelled S-K-U-T-A. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, which looks like a moped, like a fifty cc moped. Um, yeah, he's got two batteries with it. Um, I forget what he told me the range is, but it's a fairly good range. Doesn't go very fast. I think it goes about twelve or fifteen miles an hour top speed. Um, well, in but, the UK, we're limited to something fairly small, sixteen yes, miles an hour or something. I think like it's that. that. But it's it's considered to be an electric bicycle, even though it looks like a moped. And so he does not have to have right. a license, insurance, road tax, or wear a crash helmet. 
treated as a bicycle. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's called the e-scooter, as I say. Um, never heard e of it. E-scooter. But it's it's quite a nice-looking thing, and he's got two batteries with it, um, and he says he charges the batteries up at night, and then he's got a big, like, box on the back, so he not only plugs one in, but he also carries a spare one with him in case he runs low. I don't know what the mileage is, but, you know, seems like a nice little thing. Um, and last of all... Um, Apple fans will be powerless to resist this mini Macintosh USB-C charger. Um, well, the Slack room disagreed with that and said, I can totally resist it. Um, it's called the Retro 35. <laughs> it looks like um, an original Mac, but it's actually a GAN charger. Um, it's, you know, uh, it's nice. Um, I don't know what its cost is. Um, I suspect it's probably... It's twee, yes. It's twee. Um it's a gallium nitride charger. Um, does it say what, what it produces? Oh, right. Um, da, 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 da. It puts out 35 watts. Um, looks like it's basically American um, connections as it has fold-out two-prong uh, blades. So if you were to use it in this country, you'd need an adapter. Um, might be the most adorable USC charger we've ever seen. But as I say... Um, that all of us in the uh, Slack room went, yes, it's cute, but I think I can totally resist buying one. So. <laughs> and there we are. That is the end of the stories. I don't know how much how much have we recorded now. Uh, oh, nearly two hours. Okay, well, that's all right. With a bit of editing. Uh, uh, about an hour? Well, I've been recording since I op opened the call, so I've got an hour and 49 minutes at the moment. Oh, uh, right. So there we go. Yes, I've got an hour and an hour and thirty, and I started a little, yeah a little way in, but we hadn't actually started rec um, the show then. So. No, we were just nattering. We were just nattering. Um, oh, As before I forget, um, um, one of the listeners on Twitter. Let me find who it was. Uh, oh, I'm on the Mac. Where's the? Where are they? Uh, Clive Hammett asked me. Um, what was the documentary about dementia care called and where was it shown? Um, I wasn't sure. I said it's unfortunately I can't remember. I think it was on Channel 4. Well, since uh, then, Clive, I've had a dig um, and it was a three part documentary and it was on Channel 4 and it's called Dementiaville. Um, and I will tweet that to you later. Yeah. But um, that's. Uh, that's what it was. Whether it's still available, I don't know. But it was about the, um, you know, the one I said about where people, rather than, you know, constantly correcting people with dementia, just go with the flow yes. and um, try yeah. your best to keep them happy. Um, so that was it. It was called Dementia Bill. Um, don't think I've got much else to say, really, at the moment. So uh, shall we wrap it up, Nick? Sounds like an idea. Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? So uh, would you like to tell people where they can find your stuff? Uh, yeah, you can find me very occasionally on Twitter. I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And if you want to see some of the services that uh, that I... Well, I don't do the services. Well, I do sometimes do the services. <laughs> uh, now this is getting complicated. Uh, most of the time, I'm just the technician and the, one of the musicians. So um, if you want to hear me playing the organ occasionally, then uh, pop over to the links that are in the show notes. Yeah, the links are in the show notes. Um, I, of course, am on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. 
thank you to everybody who, you know, listens, follows the show, retweets our stuff, all the usual stuff. Um, you know, you can send us money via Patreon if you like. Um, you know, you can send cases of beer if you fancy. Um, <laughs> whatever. We're not fussy. Um, no. Thank you to everybody who supports the show in any way whatsoever. And uh, I guess for now, that's about it. I guess the last thing I will say is don't forget that the Russians are continuing to uh, wage war in the Ukraine. Um, so, you know, if you can spare a few quid for uh, relief to the Ukraine, uh, plenty of places online, you know, the Ukrainian Red Cross, the International Red Cross, the uh, uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, also known as Doctors Without Borders. Um, Disasters Emergency Committee. Yep, exactly. Um, You know, if you're in a position to spare a few quid for the Ukrainians, please do. Um, Other than that, I think we'll call it a show and be back hopefully next week. So until then, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Have a nice week, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.
I've had I've had issues again this week with oh, the dear. system down at church. So oh yeah. Just just when you think everything's down, it's working exactly as you expected. Something goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's technology. That's technology for you, Nick. Yeah, it? it's bonkers. I've been through every. I've sort of drew drew a diagram of what I what I think it it, it is the whole thing from beginning to end, and I've replaced almost two thirds of it, <laughs> and it's still not working. A little bit confused. Mm, thorny problem. So it, it it's the um it's the project uh, putting stuff up on the screen at church. It's just not working. Um, we had a meeting on Thursday, no Tuesday, um, where I had and I hadn't done this before. I had um, eCam live open, and I'd got Proclaim open. No, I hadn't got Proclaim open, but I'd got uh, Zoom open because we'd got people at the meeting coming in on Zoom. Right. And I'd also then I opened Proclaim, and just as I did it, and I'm not sure whether this is just a coincidence. Um, my screen resolution changed, and I thought, hello, what's going on here? And then the screens at the front of the church just went blank. Oh, dear. Um, so I tried everything I could think of to get them to come back up, and they didn't. So I replaced the... So the way the system works is the, the cable comes out of the HDMI port on the Mac. I checked the HDMI port first. That's working uh, by plugging in another HDMI, you know, uh, yeah. just checked it was working correctly. Uh, then it's an HDMI cable into a, into a transmitter box, which converts an HDMI into Ethernet, and then Ethernet cable into a switch, and then from the switch, another Ethernet cable goes to each TV. It seems... So the TVs are saying, I can't see a signal. However, I can see that I've got a box plugged in. Mm. So it can see the box. It can see the receiver boxes at the far end. So I replaced the transmitter box thinking that's what had failed. And that made no difference at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which confused me entirely. So I replaced the HDMI cable. That didn't make any difference either. So I replaced the... um, the uh, Ethernet cable from the transmitter to the switch, and that didn't make any difference either. (laughs) (laughs) By which time, I'm banging my head against the wall. Definitely, because that's a fairly simple setup. Well, yeah, and as far as I can see, it should work, but but the computer can't see anything, so the computer thinks it hasn't got a monitor plugged in. Um, what What it could see before was it could see Samsung, it was called Samsung. Right. And I think that was probably the chip that is in the transmitter box. Right. Um, so it, it can't actually see a Samsung TV because there aren't any. Uh, so um, I think the because it's plugged into this transmitter box first, um, it was probably the chip in the transmitter box. So but now I'm it. not quite sure what to do. So I've got to send the replacement transmitter back, box back. I suppose it's possible I got a broken transmitter box from Amazon. Possible, but I wouldn't have yeah, thought very I'm very likely. confused. But um, no, I wouldn't have thought so either. Although they're not, I mean, they're made they're made out of metal, but they're not particularly sturdy things. No, I don't know. I'm unsure what to do. Anyway, in the meantime, I found uh, a YouTube video showing how to turn uh, a, a Raspberry Pi into an NDI receiver. Oh, all right. So I thought, okay. ooh, maybe I'll have a play with that. <laughs> Why not? So I've got a, a, a Raspberry Pi on order. I just, you know, I mean, that sounds fairly straightforward, doesn't it? HDMI out to an Ethernet yes. converter, then, yeah. then an da- e- down Ethernet to a switch, switch, 
Yeah. And then your monitor's plugged into that, or your giant screens, whatever they are, TVs well, the, or monitors. No, there's another, there's another Ethernet cable plugged into that, and then at the far end there's the receiver box. Right. And then there's that, which converts it back into HDMI for the TVs. Right. So the TVs are getting an HDMI signal. Yes. So they're getting a, they're, they're, they can see the boxes that are plugged into them, which makes me think that the receiver boxes are all fine. Yes. Not only that, if one of the receiver boxes failed, only that television would go out. Yes. Because all the, all the switch is doing is going around saying, oh, are you a video device? Oh, yeah. you are. Have you some are. video. Have some video signal. Um, so if one of them fa- if one of them failed, only that one would fail, not all yeah. three. How very strange. Which still makes me think it must be the transmitter. It's got to be something to do with the transmitter. Um, and the screens, so yeah, I've the been scre- the screens really banging my head against a brick wall. The screens haven't um, somehow switched the HDMI input to another. I don't know how many HDMI inputs they have. Yeah, no, no, it hasn't. No, because as I say, it, at the when you've got the box plugged in but no signal going to it, it can see it, the box. It shows the IP address at the bottom of the screen. Right. Um, so you can actually see that it's connected, um, but it just it just doesn't see a signal. How very All strange. It sees the box. Because it was working yeah, before, weird. wasn't it? You've had it working before. It was working fine. Been working for about six months. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah. Uh, Frustrated. I think I might just end up trying a different set of boxes and see if they work. Yeah, it just sounds like the sort of ob- obvious setup, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I unplugged the. Um, so there's. I've got a. Uh, uh, you know my QG. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, um, port box. You know that's got HDMI and oh, USB like the, and like the um, hub. What's the word I'm after? A hub, right. yes. Yeah, an extension. So I've got a hub plugged into it, and and the the monitor that I'm using with it is plugged into the hub. So I pulled the monitor out and plugged it into the HDMI socket on the Mac, and up it came. So there's mm. nothing wrong with the socket on the Mac. I, that was the first thing I thought. I wonder if there's a problem with the Mac, mm. but the, but it appears to be working. What it what it, what it's not proved to me is that it can see other devices. No. Um, it, it's outputting video. Uh, what I might do is take a monitor down with me and try just plugging a monitor into the HDMI port. Yeah. Because mm. if that definitely works, then that proves there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with a Mac. I don't think there is anything wrong with a Mac. No, it doesn't sound like it. I think you'd need to... I think okay. the weak point is get, probably going to be the um, the transmitter. I right. can't think of anything else. The, the switch is um, uh, the name of the company. Name one or two big switch um, modem makers. What? Um, like TP-Link? Um... Uh, TP-Link, yes. I think it's TP, TP-Link. Or it's, it's either that or D-Link. I can't yeah, remember. Both of which are but it's, um, well known. Yeah, they're know. big names. And they're Lots. unlikely to fail. And all the lights are on. So... <laughs> Hmm. saying that they're transmitting data. So I don't think it's the switch. The only other thing I could think is if you take a monitor down with you, right, and you take yep. a, sh- a short Ethernet lead, if you was to... Oh, well, th- then I could check that, yeah. I could so check you the could... other end as well, couldn't I? Well, you could, A, check the other end, or what you could do is, like, un- unplug your receiver box... Right, yeah. bring it up close to your transmitter box and connect them by a short Ethernet cable and then yes, plug in that. the monitor with an HDMI lead and see if that works. 
Yeah, and see if that works. Yeah. The is other it... oh, the other thing I tried Ooh, was I bypassed the I bypassed the switch. Right. So I plugged the cable going into the switch that comes from the TV yeah. directly into the transmitter box. Mm. Uh, that didn't work either. <laughs> so yeah, but does it? Anyway, I'm gonna grab my tea. Won't be a second. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've even I even drew a diagram. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure I wasn't forgetting I'm just, anything. I'm just thinking if you see if you bring if you plug something directly into the transmitter box, that's probably yeah. not sending out HDMI, is it? You need the receiver no, no, box. No, no, I'd, still, the other I'd still have to have a receiver box. Yeah. So I think what you need to do is get a short Ethernet cable, plug it into the transmitter, bring the receiver box to the end of a short Ethernet cable, and test it there. Yes. And then I mean, I mean, see, I don't, I don't, how... I don't think that'll make any difference because. I don't think there's any problem with that end of. No, but I'm just thinking, just in, yeah, because you can see it. The, but the it's big not issue, the, the big issue is my computer. The, the, the big issue is my computer can't see a second monitor. It can't see a device at all. Right. So it's something this end that's the problem. I think the computer end. Mm, yeah, I don't think that would baffle me. No, I'm a bit stumped. It's not really my field of expertise, to be honest. I'm just well, thinking. I'm just thinking about mine, it in really, the kind of, but kind of as just... you said, it's it's a fairly straightforward. It's not like it's going through, you know, multiple switches and multiple whatever. It's it's fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, so it should work, but why isn't it? And why is it in sudden? <laughs> and also, why is it sudden? All the lights sudden? are on. All the lights are on. There are no lights. You know, why yeah, is it suddenly? suddenly? All of a sudden, just yeah, a bit weird. So, I, uh, just in case, I updated the Mac as well uh, down at church mm. uh, with the latest OS, just in case. Very strange. Um, there we are. Yeah, these things are sent weird. to try us. Nerd. Indeed. So we Nerd. managed this morning. So we're still able. Of course, we're still able to stream. So the camera's still working through the switch. Right. So the camera plugs into the switch as well. Uh, so we were still able to stream everything. It's just that people at church couldn't see the words for the hymns. So fortunately, we weren't very many this morning, and we have got some books. So, yeah. <laughs> so they just had to use books, which is not a major problem. Fall back to the old analog days, mate. Pick up your hymns. That's right. And, and turn, to, you know, <laughs> right. turn to hymn five five seven. Ah. Indeed. Oh, well, there you go. But, yes, very frustrating. It, yeah. You know what it's like with computer stuff sometimes. You just feel like well, the, picking the, it all up and throwing it out the window. <laughs> the trouble with a lot of that stuff is it's black box technology, isn't it? You just plug yes. it in and it's supposed to work. Yeah. And if it doesn't, there's not a lot you can do. Well, the, the nice the nice idea about the end, the uh, Raspberry Pi, even though it's more expensive doing it that way because they cost about 100 quid, the Raspberry Pis. You can get them cheaper, but uh, the one I've bought comes with a box and everything. Um, and, what, have you uh, bought the one with the keyboard? The like relevant the one that's, leads. Is that the one that's in the keyboard? No, no, no. it's not. No, no. it's oh. the. Um, it's just a standard Raspberry Pi, but it's a it's a it's a base basic kit. Kit, and it comes so it with comes everything. With yeah. Eight gig of RAM, and it comes with um, uh, the uh, SD card to go in it as a thirty-two yeah. gig SD card, and it's just the whole lot. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing about that is, if it works, so I watched a, a short video of someone setting it up and it seems very straightforward you just run a few uh, a few um terminal commands um yeah and load a program uh and then it behaves when it switches on as an ndi receiver okay and what that would mean was i could literally just well i wouldn't have to plug anything in other than plugging the receiver into the back of the tv one of the tv um that's all i'd have to do um because 
you wouldn't need a transmitter then because the ecam live already outputs um an ndi signal okay so you could do that so i'd get rid of a transmitter box basically and just have receivers yeah which might be simpler Ooh, oh well anyway one step at a time one step <laughs> at a time indeed you know the old classic so how's things with you uh yep yeah. yeah. how's okay. things with you i'm all right i'm all right i've been throwing stuff in a git the first skip got filled up we're gradually clearing the garden we've emptied two sheds and um cleared a lot of the garden that all went in the skip various clag went in the skip i've got it it's hard work though isn't it got it, is, it got to what i considered to be fairly full when the bloke came to tip it up pick it up he said you still got space in there you could have piled some more stuff on the top and i said well it looked pretty full to me and also at one point i had to climb on the top of the skip to haul some things into the middle you know as it it got right. to the it got level to the lowest lip and you know how skips are you've got the lower edges on the ends and usually yes. a sort of a bit of a wall in a bridge shape and um yeah I'd, i know what you mean i'd climbed up there and chucked some things in the middle and um on the way out i slipped um oh that was the other thing yeah i went up there and i took an old duvet and i didn't want to throw it in like rolled up i wanted to spread it out flat so it wouldn't you know take up more bulk and i spread it out flat yeah. on the top of what was in there and then i turned round to climb out using a ladder because obviously it's an enormous skip and i slipped and um I fell down. Um, now, luckily, because I'd laid this duvet down, I fell on the duvet. But on the way down, <laughs> right, so I didn't well hurt myself placed. there. But on the way down, I caught my forearm on the edge of the skip. Oh, and, ouch. Yes, bashed myself really hard. Wrench, wrenched your arm back. Did well, you? no, no. I bashed my forearm on the edge of the skip and put a bit of a nasty scrape on it. Oh, ow. But yeah. also, it was like on the bone. So when I climbed out, the first thing I did was went inside and put a bloody cold compress on it and pressed on it yes. as hard as I could to try and prevent it swelling up too much. And I thought, that's going to leave, leave a nasty bruise. But yeah. actually, because I put, I think because I put a cold compress on it really quickly, yeah. it didn't bruise too badly. And then I put some ibuprofen oh, gel on it because it, at first it really hurt. It made my hand hurt because I'd bashed the side of my arm. So at that point, I you was low. Do you? I mean, you you do things, you do things, and <laughs> and then you wish you hadn't. I remember my, a few years ago, we I was with my brother on a narrowboat, and um, he got to a point where he wanted to jump on the boat, but it was just a, a little bit far away for him, mm. and um, and he jumped, and he just caught it. Well, basically, landed on his the front of his leg. Yes, um, quite quite hard, and. Uh, when he stood up, uh, he was bleeding, and when he wiped the blood away, you could see the bone underneath. <laughs> He'd actually sort of gone right down to the bone. Ooh. Fortunately, it was a tiny tear, but mm. even so, <laughs> nasty. 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 Your, your skin's quite thin there. In, yes. On that sort of bone it's, right front. Yes, on the front of your so. shin. Yeah, that's... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's basically the sort of the equivalent part of my arm that I hit. Yes. The, the yeah. outside bone edge of your forearm. So, yeah, that bloody, it did swell up, but luckily it didn't leave too bad. It's a bit like hitting your funny bone and saying, that's not funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, it bloody hurt. So, anyway, they took that one away and they brought me another one. 
another 450 quid's worth of skip. And this one's oh, filling gosh. up, yeah, 450 quid a time. But right. they are it's the biggest skip you can get. So, you know, yeah, what you're going to do. But this one's filling up rather faster because I'm chucking in things like mattresses and... You haven't got your you haven't got your neighbours throwing anything in, have you? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. People do, don't they? Yeah, well, it's no, not that I can tell if they have their small things, and I've not noticed. But yeah, although of course a lot of the stuff we were chucking in originally, like for the first skip, was small stuff. It was just stuff out yeah. of sheds and you know, so cardboard boxes and you yeah. know all those little things that you think I'll oh, keep that just in case. Oh well, like I said last <laughs> time, you know, the number of kettle leads I threw, I threw in the skip is unbelievable. <laughs> boxes and boxes yes. of kettle leads and stuff like that. You probably could have done one of those one of those retail um, t- <laughs> test pond kettles. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, a lot of that, and the weather's been quite hot here, so. Luckily, oh, right. not quite as not it's quite mixed here. Not quite as bad this week, but you know, I'm out in the garden. I'm as brown as a mahogany from slogging away outside. You know, dragging stuff up and down the garden and breaking things up and hauling scrap metal and Lord knows what. There's so much junk in my garden. Anyway, um, oh my! Uh, I've just found my pie hut um, mm. receipt, which has gone into my junk. <laughs> Mm. Oh, what's that? What's that? So, yeah, so it's um, a, a Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi Four Model B starter kit. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that's nice. That's a good. I mean, I think the Raspberry Pi Four B on its own is about forty quid. I think. Yeah, that's right. I, I have seen the the base just without the box. Thirty-five pounds, something. Yeah, about probably that. plus VAT. It's probably forty quid. Yeah, something like that. But if you buy the start kit, obviously you get the the Raspberry and um, OS. Yeah, on the, you get the on box. The... You get ca- you get cables and um, yeah, you and get an the, HDMI cable, cable and all, and all, all the, the, all the bits. It. Yeah, all the bits. So you know, no. I mean, I've seen people make boxes and whatnot. And it's all very nice, but um, if you just want to get well, it to do thinking, something, I mean, that's the, the, the Raspberry Pi, the Raspberry Pi, yeah, the Raspberry Pi box is probably not a lot bigger than the transmitter that no. I've been using. So I mean, they're probably almost exactly the same size. I mean, the the ones I've seen, and unless the new ones are a little bit bigger, but they always seem to they always remind me. If you're not a smoker, this might not mean much. But do you remember back in the day when um, tobacco tins were the thing? Even if you didn't smoke, you you know your dad or whatever probably had a yeah, load in the yeah, shed for putting. Oh, my dad! My dad had. Uh, I mean, my dad. My dad was a smoker. Yeah, so uh, he, I probably still got one or two tins with nails in and things. <laughs> yes, because you know, in those days when you bought what was in those days two ounces of tobacco, it came in a metal tin. Um, and That's so right. did pipe tobacco, and you used to get all this, and everybody used to hoard them up because they were particularly popular <laughs> for people to put in sheds. You know, even like my dad never yeah, smoked, right. right? My dad never smoked, but he knew people who did, and they'd often he'd yeah. say, "Anybody got any, yeah. you know, spare tobacco tins? I can sort me washers and you know, sort me Whitworth from me BSF and all that." Yeah, that's exactly what my dad did. And so he had all these yeah. tins stacked up <laughs> yeah. with little bits of masking tape stuck on the edge of them, saying "fiber washers, metal washers, spring washers." You know, obviously um, men of a certain age, I reckon. <laughs> well, my dad of course, was exactly then, the I was very sad when they stopped doing tobacco tins. To be honest.